You're glad to see them, and then you may be seated. Praise God. And as you're grabbing your seat, uh, this year, the, the Lord led me to really go in a direction different than the traditional Christmas message. We know this time of the year we're celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I was led to look at it from more of a doctrinal theological perspective. And so, because time is of the essence, I want to go ahead and get right into it. I won't do a review. If you have the Bible app on your phone, you can go right there, look at the notes from last week. If you weren't here to get caught up where we'll pick up uh, this week, just go to the far right, lower right corner there, hit those three bars, events will come up, pull up linked up church, all the notes will be right there. They'll also go up on the screen as well. But really, we're asking ourselves the question, why? Why did Jesus come to the earth? And I think our understanding of that will do th- two things. It'll allow us to live a, have a better relationship with God because we, know, we understand why he sent his son. But then also, more importantly, it helps us defend the truth that we believe because people will challenge that truth uh, for the rest of your lives. And so now, really, uh, there were two points in the introduction. Point number one was the great truth revealed in the New Testament is that the eternal God became one of us he became a human being. And that's really been the world's challenge. It's really hard for them to believe that God became a man and actually lived on the earth. And we showed you several scriptures that supported that. Then we looked at the incarnation of Jesus Christ, which we know is not a biblical phrase, but it also, but it supports a biblical truth. And we did that. We outlined that on last week. And point number one, there are 10 of these that we'll cover. Point number one from last week was uh, why God came to the earth was that he wanted to further reveal himself to humanity. Isn't that a blessing to know that God wants to have a relationship with you? I mean, that just encourages my heart to know that he wants to be with me. Let's pick up today with point number two. Uh, Point number two is Jesus came to fulfill God's promises to certain people. I don't know about you, but I love a man that keeps his word. Anyone else love someone that just when they promise you something, you don't have to think about it anymore? Well, believe it or not, that's a rare quality today to actually have someone promise you something and you can walk away from that and no, no longer have to think about it. And so later on today, we'll be honoring Pastor Preston at our second service. Uh, you know, what you all really, he's one of the most integrous men I've ever met in my life. Can you all believe we had a contract for two or three years that we never signed? just a gentleman's handshake. And what we said was, if we're both men of the cloth and we represent God, if we can't keep our word, then what are we doing? And we both kept our ends of the bargain with no uh, formal contract the last two years of our relationship. It's a rare individual. If you're able to make it at the end of service, we're going to honor him at the top of the next service. You don't even have to stay. Just come at the beginning, head out. But we just want to say thank you to the people who helped us become who we are today. And we're going to do it in a big way. Okay, so Jesus came to fulfill God's promises to certain people. So God made a number of promises to people. There are three that I want to highlight, which are uh, Abraham. Adam or Adam, Abraham, and David, okay? Let's first look at Adam. Go to Genesis chapter 3. You'll notice that to Adam, Jesus was the promised Messiah. He was the seed of the woman. After Adam and Eve fell, of course, that never caught caught guard off guard. 
God's plan was before the foundation of the earth. And so now he reveals this plan after the fall of man. And let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. He's now telling the serpent the consequences of what uh, the serpent did and also uh, forecasting and prophesying what will happen as a result to reverse the consequences of what the serpent did. So in Genesis 3, 14 and 15, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, You are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Let me explain what that means. Bruise thy head means that Jesus or this seed would overcome him and destroy his power. Anyone thank God that Jesus overcame him and destroyed his power. But he also gave some insight into the uh, suffering that the uh, seed would actually have to go through because he said, and you shall inflict or you shall bruise his heel, which means inflict upon him temporary harm and suffering. And, you know, as I read that and meditated that before, you know, 4,000 years before I was born, God was already thinking about a solution so that I wouldn't have to suffer my whole life. He was already thinking about having his son be born and suffer so I'd never have to suffer my entire life. I don't know about you all, folks, but that's a good reason to be happy about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Abraham. To Abraham, you'll see that Jesus was the one descendant who would bless the world. Go with me to Genesis chapter 12. Jesus was the one descendant who would bless the world. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, notice what it says here. I will bless those who bless you, speaking to Abraham, God speaking to Abraham. He says, and I will curse those who curse you. Watch this now. And in you, Abraham... All the families of the earth shall be what? So notice the seed was in Abraham. And he said all the families of the earth would be blessed. I want to encourage someone today. The will of God for your life is to be blessed. To have the ability to bless God and to be blessed by God. Even if your family doesn't look blessed right now, As long as you stay with God and you continue to build that relationship with God, your family should have all of its needs met. Your family should walk free from sickness and disease. Come on, your children should be mighty upon the earth. The will of God for your life is that your family is blessed. Listen to me. All the days of your life. And I'm telling you, even if it's not a natural fact right now, it is a spiritual fact. And if you'll just keep seeing yourself the way God sees you, saying about your family what God says about your family, it won't be long before your family is debt free. It won't be long before your family is healed and made whole. It won't be long before every need that your family has is supernaturally met. And I wish there was just an ounce of faith in this room today that would receive that. Listen to me. He said, in you, the seed of you. And if you are born again, then you are the seed of Abraham and you are an heir according to that promise. Don't you accept anything less than your family being blessed because it is the will of God for your life. And that baby came to this earth 
to make sure that you and your family would be blessed. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah in this place. To David, David was the promised king that the seed would come from his family. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 7 and let's look where it was prophesied. To David, Jesus was the promised king that would come from his family. And I don't know about you, has anyone in here ever messed up before? Now, I want to show you something. Your mess-ups never remove God's promises. Oh, Jesus. Come on, David committed adultery. It didn't take him out. Come on, David had a man killed. It didn't take him out. So many people are sitting just guilty because of what you did. And I'm telling you, it will never remove God's promise in your life. And here's the greatest Christmas gift I can give you. The reality is, before you did it, he already forgave you of it. I'm getting ready to go right now. I'm getting ready to leave. You didn't catch that. I said, before you ever did it, he had already forgiven you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say, so I qualify to be blessed. Now, go ahead and thank God that you are blessed. Hallelujah. Prophesied in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. Look at this. 2 Samuel 7, 12 says, when your days are fulfilled, David, when you die and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. So the birth of Jesus was the fulfillment of this promise. Notice what the angel said to Mary. Go to Luke chapter 1 and let's read verses 31 through 33. Notice what the angel said to Mary. Luke chapter 1 verse 31 through 33. The angel is coming now to secure the prophecy that had been spoken thousands of years ago. Notice what the angel says to Mary here. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord will give him, watch this now, the throne of his father, who? So notice, David's mess-ups did not remove the promises. What you'll see about David in terms of what's recorded is you don't see him making the same mistakes twice. It's not about what you did. It's about how did you respond to what you did. Did you get better? How I many anyone can work with somebody that's trying to get better even though they messed up? Hallelujah. Man, I, that's, that's just comforting to my heart. How I many know none of us are perfect in this room? And we're all working on something. And David is a great example to us all. I, I've never murdered anyone. Listen to me. I've never committed adultery on my wife. But listen, I'm not a perfect man. None of us are. None of us are. But what God is showing us here, that his mercy is perfect. Somebody ought to lift their hands right there and just thank God. Thank God that you didn't get what you deserved. 
Oh, but he had mercy on you. Come on, I've done some stuff out here that, man, listen to me. But I didn't get what I deserve. Your mess-ups will never remove God's promises in your life. He says, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. So we must understand, folks, that Jesus came to fulfill promises that were made to men and women. One of the greatest promises that he made was that through that son, salvation would be granted to all men. A lot of times we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection, but how do how, you know if he wasn't born, he couldn't die. And so in a lot of ways, he was born to die so that we could have eternal life. I don't need nothing else under the tree, folks. I've got eternal life under the tree. Come on, somebody. I've got forgiveness under the tree. Come on, I've got mercy under the tree. Come on, I have a relationship with God under the tree. Why would I be depressed if I didn't get something else when I already have everything that I need? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three, Jesus came to fulfill the law of Moses. Jesus came to fulfill the law of Moses. That's why we don't do away with the Old Testament. Because Jesus didn't do away with it. Watch this. Matthew chapter 5, 17 and 18. Jesus said, red letter edition, do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to what? Fulfill. The word fulfill means to finish, to accomplish, to complete. He said, for surely I say to you, till heaven and earth are passed away, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until it is all fulfilled. So Jesus, by living a perfect life here on earth, fulfilled the requirements of the law in every aspect, which man could not do for thousands of years. So he came, number one, to prove that it could be done and to be an awesome example for us. So he came to fulfill the law of Moses. This is why he came. Number four, Jesus came to die for the sins of the world. I don't know about you, but boy, before I gave my life to Christ, I was a champion. (laughs) Oh, I know you all been saved your whole life, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. You jumped out your mother's womb, praying in other tongues and shouting, glory to God. That's just not my story. I didn't get saved till I was 22. And folks, I had a lot of sin to be forgiven of. I guess I'm the only one in here got a lot to be thankful for. You know, to whom much is forgiven, the same loves more. And I've been forgiven of a lot. Anybody else in here know what I'm talking about? I'm just thankful to be able to stand on this stage and represent God. Now, when sin entered the world, God instituted something. When Adam and Eve fell, God instituted something or a concept of what's called substitutionary sacrifice. This is where God required the sacrifice of an animal to die. However, the sacrifices of animals could not take away sin. The only thing it could do is cover sin. 
Neither would the death of any ordinary human being be satisfactory to take, care, take away sin. So what was needed was the perfect sacrifice. And this was accomplished with God becoming a human being. Christ's coming was to die on the cross for the sins of the world. So when Christ came, he sacrificed himself on Calvary's cross, and then he himself testified this statement. Go with me to Matthew chapter 20. Once again, I don't know how many of us, if we knew we were born to die, such a horrible death would have even been willing to come in the first place. Most of us would have been like, Father, I'm sure there's another way you can get that job done. Come on, can we just be honest in here? Right? Especially coming for people who care nothing about me, don't want nothing to do with me, and the very people I'm coming to help are going to reject me. And he did it anyway. Not just to cover our sins, but to remove them entirely so that he no longer has to deal with us after our sins. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. All leaders can learn a lesson to this. It's never about you. That's why you're never going to see me with a 30-man entourage. Doesn't take all of that. A lot of times I just think that messes, humble leaders, that messes them up. And they start seeing people as there to serve them instead of them being there to serve people. And if Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, come on somebody. Where should we get, we should never have this attitude that you exist because of me. No, the reality is I exist because of you. And there's a difference. So he said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The full payment for many people, folks. I don't know about you. I couldn't accomplish that on my own. And I thank God that he was willing to pay a price. Listen to me, that I was unable to pay. And even though I don't owe him anything, I am forever indebted to him. The least we could do is live our lives right before him. Or do our best to live our lives right before him. So his death on that cross paid the penalty for our sins. You've got to understand that. He did that once and for all. So listen, let me keep reading here because this is such a, a difficult revelation to process. He died in our place so that we did not have to suffer eternally, listen to, to me, for our misdeeds. He died knowing you would still make mistakes. I'm trying to help somebody in here today. It's like raising children. You are sadly mistaken if you think your children are going to be perfect while you're raising them. And you've got to learn that you are a child of God. And you're never going to be perfect while he's raising you. But what you want to do is be better this year than you were last year. 
Come on, and that's, that's, any, that's, that's all any parent can ask for is that I can see improvement in my child. And as long as I can see improvement, I mean, you know, I'm interested in rewarding that improvement. But I'm never expecting perfection. It's their child. I need you to understand, he removed this knowing that you still make mistakes. So listen, if he's not condemning you, why are you condemning yourself? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's look at it another way. Anyone glad they came to church today? Man, listen, my heart is so comforted right now. I just thank God for the birth of my Savior. Hallelujah. A lot of stuff we do, folks, is pagan. And you need to do your homework. One year, I just don't want to ruin Christmas for people. But it's not about Christmas trees and decorating your house. And you fooled yourself if you put more time and effort into a tree and decorating your house than you have in understanding why he came to this earth in the first place. And you're willing to go in debt. You're willing to sacrifice yourself Hello, somebody, to buy gifts when that's not the meaning of Christmas. Now, if you can, so be it. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But I command you, don't put it on a charge card unless you have all the money in your bank account to pay it at the end of the month. Do not go into 2017 with Christmas debt from 2016. Somebody said, I'm waiting on the word of the Lord. That was the word of the Lord right there for somebody in this room. And somebody ought to receive it and shout glory because you was just getting ready to go out. Come on, you know how that last week is before Christmas Day. You were just getting ready to run out and spend money that you don't have. I think the word found its mark right there. I need a little bit of encouragement. Can you encourage me right now? Just say, Pastor, stay right there, Pastor. Just keep on going. Keep on going. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 19 through 21. That is that God was in Christ. God was. So God was doing this, reconciling the world through himself. See, because he was God. Listen to this very carefully. Not imputing their trespasses to them. You know what imputing means? Counting. Folks, God is not holding anything against you. And has committed to us a word of reconciliation. I have a word of reconciliation for someone sitting in this sanctuary right now. God has forgiven you of all of your sins, past, present, and future. When you sin, identify that you have made a mistake. Learn from the mistake and just get better. But the sin has already been forgiven. Hallelujah. 
That's a word of reconciliation for somebody. So many times the devil keeps us in bondage and we cannot move forward. And I'm telling you today, another word of reconciliation for you. You are free and whom the son sets free is free indeed. He says, now then we are ambassadors. Folks, you are a representative of Christ to everyone you come in contact with this holiday season. Show them how God is. Show him the way God does things. Show them those things. We are now ambassadors, representatives for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him, watch this, who knew no sin to be sin for us. So if he made him sin, that means he took our sin and put it on him. Merry Christmas, Joel Gregory. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why, God? Man, listen, so that we could be the righteousness of God in him. What's under my Christmas tree this year? The fact that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, and because no man gave it to me, no man can take it away from me. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. Watch this now. If I don't even know. You all might yell up here. That's blasphemy. You might, you might stop attending the church for what I'm getting ready to say. But you were messing up when he did this for you. And he still did it for you. So that means, guess what? You're messing up after you have it. So if you didn't do anything for him to give it to you, he's not going to take it away from you. I just showed you earlier, your mess-ups never remove his promises. What he's interested in is growth. Are you getting better? But you're still as much as, you're as righteous today as you were prior to whatever you did yesterday. Somebody ought to receive that righteousness right now. Come on, just thank him right now for making you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So Jesus came into the earth to become humanity's savior. Watch this. Without his coming, humanity would have no savior. Hallelujah. I might go home and just kick that tree over at that house. No, I'm just kidding. My wife, how I many y'all know I'd be in trouble? I go, took, her, took her a long time to decorate that tree right there. I wouldn't be up next Sunday. I thought Pastor was going to finish that message on why. You know, I, the reason why I'm not here is I kicked that tree over, and, and Mama handled that right there. And, and, and you won't see me till after the first of the year, glory to God. What I'm saying is, don't make it about that tree. Jesus came to bring a new covenant. Jesus not only fulfilled, that's number five, the promise of the old covenant, his coming also brought a new covenant into existence. 
When I was meditating this last night, no exaggeration, I literally just got out of the chair and just had to start worshiping. It just blessed me. Things that you know but that you're reminded of and then it hits your spirit. Matthew chapter 26, let's read verses 26 through 28. And it says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, you know, when you're meditating the word, how many of you are almost right there in the room with them while all of this is taking place? And he says, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood in the new covenant, which is said for many, here it is, for the remission or the removal of sins. I don't know how many different ways he can tell us this, folks. He didn't just cover your sins. He removed them. And let me tell you, the, the, the more revelation I get about that, the less I struggle with sin. That's right. That's right. You know, the only way you can struggle with sin is because you focus on sin. When you don't believe it's present, then how many of you can't be tempted by what you don't have access to? So I'm actually learning the more I don't think about it, the less it, 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 it's a part of my life. So the, the more I believe it doesn't exist, the more closer I walk with God. See, you're going to follow whatever you meditate on. That's why it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So wherever you're spending all your time, how many of your life will gravitate in that direction? But it's something about when I don't believe sin is present, I don't struggle with it. 2017, I just spent a whole year studying one revelation, and I can't wait to share it with you. It changed my life. A lot of what we taught fo- were taught, folks, was legalism. We had to do something to get God to do something. My whole thinking has changed. God has already done something, and I need to respond to what he's already done. This, this is going to shock you. A lot of us waiting on God. We're waiting on the move of God. But what if I told you he already came and he already moved? And now he's sitting down waiting on you to move. See, church kind of conditioned us. It ain't church unless the move of God. I'm telling you, he already moved. And we're actually waiting on him to do something that he's already done. And you don't need it to be prophesied to you. You don't need it. To be hands to be laid on, you've got to grow to a point where you just receive what he's already done for you. And let us lay hands and prophesy on the people who don't know him and use that as his calling card to bring them in. But once you're in, you're supposed to know what belongs to you and walk in it. Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody in this room is saying amen. And so the, we've been conditioned to wait on something. And I'm going to share with you all and show you scripture after scripture. It already happened. I'm sharing some of it with you now. Hallelujah. I think I just made the devil mad. Can we give God a big hallelujah in this place? Watch this. Hebrews chapter 8. Let's look at what some of the better promises of this better covenant are. Let's read some of Hebrews chapter 8. You all get anything out of this today? Okay, look at Hebrews chapter 8. Let's support what we're saying with Scripture. Hebrews chapter 8. Look at verses 6 through 13. He says, but now. 
he has obtained a more excellent ministry, he being Jesus, better covenant, inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a what? Better covenant. I'm reading out of the New King James Version, which was established on what? So we need to know what made it better, right? Let's keep reading. A new covenant for if that the first covenant had been faultless, then there would have been no place had been sought for the second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, which we live in, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and I will write them on their hearts. See, they had to wait on someone else to tell them in the Old Testament. How I many of now it's already in your spirit and in your heart? That's why when you hear it, it agrees with your spirit first. And then your spirit communicates it to your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How I many know God didn't live in them in the old covenant? He lives in us in the new covenant. Oh, I don't know about you. Mary, God is in me. God is with me. If you've seen me, you've seen God. Oh, I know I shouldn't, but it's the truth. Why? Because I'm a son of God. And I'm not going to let anyone take my sonship from me. Their rights and privileges, they come with being a son. Let's keep reading. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel in those days. I will put my laws in their mind, write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. And I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. I needed a lot of mercy. Come on, somebody. He said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and to their sins and their lawless deeds. That just broke me down. That broke me all the way down. Because I've had people treat me worse for less y'all ain't ready for this that's why I'd rather fall into the hands of God than people oh Jesus I want you all to understand I've had people treat me worse for less and I've watched God treat me better for worse I watch men throw me away for less. And I've watched God keep me for more. And I've done far worse to God than I've ever done to any human being. But I've watched people treat me worse than God. 
And for that, folks, I'm thankful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody ought to lift your hands and just thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're not even ready for this. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. Let's finish that. I will remember no more. And that he says, a new covenant. Now he just showed you why it's made on better promises. That he said, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete is growing old and is ready to vanish away. Folks, if you don't receive anything else, you are not honoring God by not walking in the fullness of what he made you. You're honoring God when you receive this and you walk free from everything in your life that you know he didn't put there. Hallelujah. Let's close with this one for the day. Last one for the day. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Come on. He was born. As we read, that was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3. To undo and remove all the power of the wicked one that he had over your life. I don't know about you, but before I got saved, I just cussed just to be cussing. <laughs> Wasn't even a reason to cuss in that situation. But it felt better. We sit around and just think about how much stuff we could get into. Come on, we wake up to think about what could we do wrong today. Okay, I'm by myself. Just mischievous kids. Breaking in houses, stealing cars. Come on, somebody. Fighting all day, every day. For no reason. Bored. But God. I'm an ex-fornicator. So you can talk about what you're free from. I lived for the weekends. Come on, somebody. Only reason I went to work. So I could have money for the weekend. I'm getting ready to throw this iPad as hard and fast as I can. If somebody don't say amen in this place. That's the only reason I went to work. Payday on Friday meant something completely different in my pre-salvation days. Come on, the warm-up will start about 9 o'clock. Somebody here know what I'm talking about. You got to get your mind right. We're so far gone, we'd all get together and we'd look at each other. You thinking or you drinking tonight? Which one? Because if you're thinking, you don't need to be with us tonight because we, we're not thinking tonight. We're drinking. 
All of that was so that we could be something that we knew we were. Jesus came to destroy all of that out of my life. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I was so racked and so caught up in all of that. I just said when I first gave my life to Christ, if you can just keep me out of the clubs, if you can just keep me from drinking, if you can just keep me from these girls, that's all I need. And listen to me, folks, 27 years later, never misbehaved inappropriately with the opposite sex. See, he, he didn't just come to slow it down. He came to destroy it in my life. 27 years, folks, alcohol has not touched these lips. 27 years, I have not stepped foot in a club. Come on, he didn't come to play with it in my life. He came to destroy it in my life. Come on, and he came to destroy it in your life, too, if you let him. Let's close. Read. Let's go to 1 John. Chapter 3, verse 8, and I'm done. His coming came to destroy the works of the devil and the hold that he had over humanity. I mean, that's a horrible thing when you know something is wrong and you do it anyway. You say, I don't want to do this anymore, but you can't stop yourself. I mean, that's a horrible feeling, horrible feeling. And I'm telling you, you don't have to feel like that anymore. You don't have to go through that anymore. All you've got to do is immerse yourself in him. This is the shocker. You don't even have to struggle. You don't even have to fight because he already removed it from you. I learned something 27 years ago. Nothing is a temptation to me that I don't give myself access to. So if you notice, all of those fed each other. The drinking is what sent me to the club. I mean, I'm not going to the club to dance. (laughs) Why? You got to understand where I came from, because gangsters don't dance. (laughs) They two-step, because you got to hold that drink in your hand. (laughs) And you got to conversate. Come on, somebody. You got to be able to talk. So how you doing? What's your name? Where you live? That's about all you were ever going to get from me. Come on, somebody, because we are not sweating in no club. So the drinking led to the club. The club led to the female. So you know that you cut the drinking out, you had no desire to go to the club. If you're not at the club, you can't mess with those, nobody in here, but you can't, well, you can't mess with, well. I think you all understand where I'm going with that, right? You can't do that. Somebody said, First John, read that First John. Chapter 3, verse 8. He who sins is of the what? Habitual. Come on, let's just make it clear. If somebody's out there practicing that, they're probably not saved. I'm not talking about saved people who make mistakes. 
But people who do it as a lifestyle are probably not saved. So he who sins is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the what? Beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was born, manifested, revealed, that he might destroy, loosen, break up, dissolve, watch this, and put off the works of the devil. Works are the toil, the effort, and the labor that he puts into keeping you in bondage. So guess what, folks? If you receive Jesus, then Jesus has already destroyed every work of the enemy against you. You don't have to smoke weed no more. You don't have to smoke cigarettes no more. You don't have to, you don't have to fornicate. I need you all to understand what I've been for 27 years. Imagine being the direct opposite of that for 22 years prior to that. It was the same. Trust me. I was an athlete. And so you can imagine you go. I averaged 30 points a game as a senior in high school with no three-point line and, and just crazy. So all you have to do is do that, go in the hallway and post up. <laughs> Not exaggerating. Then you go to college and everybody there knows you before you get there. Literally, these are not exaggerated stories. When I come in, they'd, people had already broke in my room. And it just never stopped. And when you don't know God, I mean, you don't turn down nothing but your collar. <laughs> I'm just showing you how good God can deliver you. Then at 22, I gave my life to Christ. And at 22, folks, that was the last time any of those three things ever happened. I'm 49 today. That comes from a committed relationship with Christ that he wants to have with you. And listen, we've got it all set up here to help you succeed. We've got small groups here. After you give your life to Christ, how many of you need to get with people that now think like you, like-minded people? We get you all cleaned up, get you around a new group of people. We've got dream team for you to serve in. I want to help you find your purpose. So many times people are waffling and drifting because they don't know their purpose. So they're wasting time doing things that don't matter. Then after you get all that cleaned up, you got to give back to community. You can't forget what helped you become who you are. That's why we're blessing Pastor Preston today. We don't exist without his support. Hallelujah. Did you all get anything out of this today? Praise God. Praise God. Now let's just lift our hands and let's just thank God for what we heard today, right? Where you're seated right now. Let's just thank God. Lift your hands. You don't even have to stand up. Just right where you're seated. Just begin to process why that baby was born in the first place, why Jesus came. We'll finish 7 through 10 on next week. But this will give you ammunition for yourself, for you to defend what it is that you believe, but then share these truths with other people. Father, we thank you today. For your holy word, Father, and the revelation that comes from that word. 
Thank you for removing sin and and never remember it anymore in our lives. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for a new covenant based on better promises. Thank you for coming to live on the inside of us. Thank you for fulfilling your promises that you made to men thousands of years ago. Thank you for being a man that keeps your word. And Jesus, thank you for your willingness to come and redeem us back to yourself. Thank you for paying the full payment so that we can be eternally free. We don't take that for granted, and we live in honor of it for the rest of our lives.